voice of the black and amber. Community Radio Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Jadrick's Kilkenny and Community Radio Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM for top class sport. Yes, you're very welcome to another Community Radio Kilkenny City Talk Sport here, Sunday the 28th of February 2021. Well, the GA wakes up today to a new president. Larry McCarthy took over yesterday at the virtual GA Congress. He's the first president from overseas at GA Unit and landed in New York after a spell teaching in Ireland. He held from Bishoptown in Cork and, and his professional role is as Associate Professor in the Department of Management in Seton Hall University, New Jersey. He currently teaches graduate and undergraduate courses in sports marketing, undergraduate international sports man, mar, management and has taught principles of marketing as well as introduction to the sports industry. Now that should be a decent enough qualification, maybe a lot more required as well, but we wish Larry well during the course of the next three years and we'll hopefully get him on the programme sometime soon when time allows. And we send our best wishes to our own Ned Quinn yesterday who was elected the trustee of the association. Ned will now sit on the management committee of uh, the GAA. 38 motions on the floor yesterday, all passed, that's somewhat of an unprecedented outcome. The headline motions, black card in hurling. We'll be talking to our first guest about that and maybe a bit more as well. The GA close season is now in, although we won't really see it until uh, 2022. Under-20 hurler cannot play senior hurling for his county while the under-21 championship is taking place. It must be completed. <laughs> a new junior football championship. We're excited about that in Kilkenny, more and on. Mayor Forna has gone. I'm sure a lot of referees will be damn glad about that and uh, more on that later. Uh, better weekend for Irish rugby when they recorded an easy 48-10 win over Italy away in Rome while Wales defeated England 40-24 and their referee is coming in for a hard knock there in some of the English press today. We'll get all the other weekend sports results later from Liam Kelly O'Rourke when we join Liam. Racing today was in Nace and Bear Scott will be with us later with all the results. Let's kill that uh, team music there now. It's just getting a bit annoying. And um, in our soapbox this week, Barry Henriquez recalls the Kilkenny Divisional Boards, particularly the Southern Board, and some key individuals he encountered over the years. We don't have a, po- a soapbox piece from Liam Kelly O'Rourke this evening, but instead we have a piece courtesy of Ger Cody on Mayhall O'Murraherty talking about the legendary Kilkenny hurler, Martin White. We've two guests on our programme this week. I'll be joined shortly by inter-county referee Brian Gavin from Offaly, and we will chat about the impact of yesterday's Congress rule change on hurling and how it will affect the role of the referee and maybe a bit more as well and joining me about 6.40 will be local journalist Enda McAvoy we'll also chat about Congress decisions but also about the difficulties of the sports prints journalists at this time with no games and we send our congratulations to the Dempsey family from Leash including Michael the former Kilkenny senior hurling trainer they were recipients of Gradham and Uchtaran, the GA President's Awards for 2020 I think they might actually be on TG Carr as we're, as we're speaking and uh, so now joining me on the line is uh, Brian Gavin and I'm delighted actually Brian you could join us and thanks very much for taking time. No problem Nicky and great to see a bit of sun out at last. Oh God it is yet, wasn't a bad day at all today I must say I was out for a walk this morning, it was gorgeous and even yesterday even so all we want now is to get out on the sports fields but I suppose unfortunately your club and my club and inter-county scene we're going to have to be patient for another little blast it looks like it. We are indeed uh, Nicky and, and it's unfortunate look we, we thought maybe we'd have some green light around March but I'd be optimistic that the inter-county training can resume in April, uh, Nicky, with the help of God, and maybe we get some sort of a league going in May and championship, and, you know, hopefully around the middle of August, maybe end of August, uh, all going well, we might get the club team back and, uh, and going, and, you know, I think it's important, though, maybe we get our underage kids out now shortly, you know, usually Paddy's day was always a great 
indicator to get your underage teams back and going and hopefully maybe in April we'll be able to get the, the youth of our clubs back out on the fields and uh, get them active again. Yeah and I suppose the fact that the schools are opening and I know in a, in a gradual basis they're not all going back tomorrow but the fact that they're starting to open again might point to the possibility of getting kids back out because they're so badly needed particularly now with the evenings getting a bit longer keeping them locked indoors um, is going to be very difficult and, and tough on parents. Well, it is indeed, and we're nearly driving them to parks and playgrounds at the moment and different gatherings. I, I see them in my own town going around in trees and fours. And look, outdoor is probably a little bit safer than indoor, naturally enough. And I suppose we might see the cases probably rise in the next week or two from schools reopen, but it mightn't be much, you know. And if we can get over this hurdle, probably in the next two weeks, I think it'll give us all great hope. But I think the youth uh, and young kids that we have in our communities need that bit of fresh air, they need their friendship, they need to be moving for exercise. For, you know, you hear stories there on Twitter like parents saying their kids are not just themselves anymore. So with a bit of sun and a bit of light coming, hopefully in the next month, as I said, we, we can get, get them back out onto the playing fields. Yeah, and sure, actually the playing fields have never been looking as good now. They're getting a great chance uh, with probably less, less activity on them last year as well. So when they go back to the fields, they'll never be looking as well. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, um, we saw when Dinner County resumed, like some of the, the, the venues and the pitches were in just immaculate condition, you know. So, uh, and, and look, every so often pitches do need a little bit of a break and it's hard, you know. But I think with a split season, which we'll probably talk about later on and stuff like that, you know, grounds will get a good bit of a chance to repair. And uh, the club pitches, uh, we should be all looking pristine, I'd say, around May and June this year, that's for certain. Absolutely. Now, the decision yesterday at Congress, I suppose, the one that uh, is one of the standout. Now, there was only, of the 38 motions, only two of them were actually voted on, and one of them was what has now been classified as the black card in hurling. Your own view on that, uh, Brian, as, as, a, as a referee itself, and, and, and the implications for referees. Now, it was it was well presented by, uh, by Willie Barrett yesterday, but there was a fair lot of opposition to it, and it got through, but it's a, and it is experimental, we should say, for a year so there's no certainty it will stay and it'll be a lot dependable how it uh, plays out over the uh, over the course of 2021 Yeah, it'll come in on a, a trial basis for a year first, Nicky Look, I suppose like a lot of your listeners and a lot of, you know real deep, passionate hurling men out there did we ever think this day had ever come in a game of hurling that we'd be talking about a black card or being introduced but unfortunately my mind has changed in the last year or two like a lot of the people of the 60% that say yesterday or the 61% that unfortunately our game has come to this. And I don't think anyone wants to see Nicky, anyone putting her two arms around the fella and dragging him to the ground. Like we've seen maybe, for instance, Willie Dunn, who's in the All-Ireland final, we saw Paddy Smith and Shane Kingston down in, in the Munster or down in the uh, Turles. We don't want to see any of them things because we weren't sort of brought up in the more than anyone could Kenny or anywhere to see that type of foul. And, and we'd have to ask the question, then what coaching is going back? Like, I was very lucky in the 80s and the 90s to see some of the awful teams come. And, you know, I used to remember one man in particular, Jarek Hocklin, chasing down a man, hooking, blocking, brain wheeling on DJ Carey. And look at JJ Delaney's famous, famous hook yeah, on Seamus yeah. Oh, like, wouldn't you, you'd look at the holiday and it gets the crowd into it. And, you know, do we want to see JJ Delaney put his two arms around Seamus Callan and, you know, bring him to the ground? We don't. I had nearly the notebook taken out of my pocket that day. I was full short right down a goal for tip. And next thing, this great massive hook from from JJ, and it lifted the whole oh, it did, of course. team it did, it did, and of course. supporters. You know, so yeah. we've been the, we've been our own 
uh, makers of this. We, you know, we brought this upon ourselves, unfortunately. Well, the reality of it is, is this time last year it was blown out of the water at Congress, and here we are, twelve months later, and it, and it has managed to get through. So clearly, what you were saying, and this was what was brought out, and indeed, indeed, your own county colleague and the chairman, Michael Michael Dignan, I thought he was impressive in how he spoke on the subject yesterday. He says, you know, it, the reality of it is, we we might not like to admit it, but there is cynicism has crept into the game in the last twelve months, and that's not something any hurling people like. No, it has indeed, and as I said to you two years ago, I would say not a hope, but I do a piece for the Examiner uh, weekly and they're looking at the matches, and I, I mention it at least twice, if not three times on this year's pieces, that, you know, you see this lad going through and goal, and we saw one in the Dublin, I think it was Dublin and Galway, in the Leinster Championship, and uh, I think it was Danny Sutcliffe, tripped someone with their hurl. That's correct. Like, we don't want to see anything like that, you know, that type of way, and you'd question then... While the managers, maybe like Liam Sheedy and John Kiley and maybe Brent Cody, would hate to see this coming in, they'll have to go back now to the drawing board and just do more and more coaching on the hook and, and the, you know, the skills that we were always brought up with in the game. And, you know, that's what we'll have to do because it's gone to that stage of the cynicism and we don't want to see it. And as I said, I never thought this day had come, but would you be honest with you, I, I'm definitely in favour of it because the game has to be cleaned up. Yeah, and you've just referred to it and you're absolutely spot on. For the top, for the coaches, for the top class coaches, the inter-county coaches in general, they now have to rethink the strategy around this because a penalty and losing a player for 10 minutes is a very costly uh, outcome uh, if, if, you, if you concede this type of free. Yeah, and you could have the scenario too, Nicky, that maybe one of your players has already picked up a yellow Absolutely. card. Absolutely, good point, this. good point. Yeah, and, and next thing you're down to four, and it could be ten minutes to go in the home stretch, and, and you're maybe a pint or two up, next thing there's a penalty, and you're down to 14 men. So, you know, you have to be more mindful of it. But, you see, hurling has changed so much in the last two or three years. Like, you, you take the All-Ireland final, 30 pints to 19. You know, I'm wondering what way hurling is going at the moment, and what way it's been coached. And while teams in my opinion, have changed to beat the likes of Tipperary and Kilkenny with the short passing game, it'll eventually, maybe in five or six years, hopefully come back to what it was, that it's man for man and you win your own puck out and you win your own possession. I don't think many people really enjoyed lads hitting the ball over the bar from 80, 100 yards at the Rees. You know, so we have to maybe look at the slitter as well. Just hurling is not as enjoyable. I didn't enjoy it this year, not because of COVID. It's just it was way too loose. Like thirty pints in a game of hurling, Nicky. You know, I, I'm not sure what you're feeling. In this yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't disagree with you at all. I think we're all we all bemoan the lack of goals, the excitement and the drama around goals, and and the real manliness of the game. But it was, it was a bit tippy tappy. But in the discussion yesterday, a number of delegates who opposed the motion actually talked about the pressure that this new rule, albeit an experimental rule, would put on referees. How how do you read that, Brian? Well, you see, Nicky, the lads that we send are putting under pressure. They're the lads that's putting us some pressure anyway, shouting in the hat. But, uh, I, look, it, it's, I don't think it's pressure on a referee. A referee, it's like any rule. He'll have to use his head and he'll have to adjudicate whether the player was inside the 20 and it was a goal-scoring uh, chance. It, it's only, it's not how to feel it's going to happen. It's around the 20 metre line or the arc, as we, we know, which is marked out there on pitches. So any referee will have to use... His, his knowledge of the rules of the game. I don't think he'll put pressure on referees myself. See, when we do break it down, Nicky, I'd say we probably saw six or seven in the top tier hurling championship this year. And if we eliminate maybe 50%, we're only going to see two or three. So sure. it mightn't be as big a problem as we obviously make it out to be a Congress or anything. I don't think it will be. But if one or two instances that we're talking about are tidied up, 
you know, there won't be much talk about this maybe in a year's time. No, I'd agree with you there. Now, Limerick, in opposing the motion, wanted to defer it in fairness to uh, to the Special Congress. But Limerick have been also talking for some time about the technology. Now, I know it refers back to the semi-final against Kilkenny two years ago when the ball uh, hit off Killian Buckley and went out and was given as a wide. But in terms of introducing technology now, like as all, you've probably got far too much time watching television and soccer matches and you're seeing people using VAR. So the notion of bringing technology at that level into the GA on top of Hawkeye, uh, your view on that? I, I'd have no, in, no intention or no belief in doing what they're doing in soccer. Like, VAR is a complete disaster. As bad as a game of soccer is in Mickey, and I wouldn't look at it much, but you couldn't look at it now at all. A referee going over, standing for maybe a minute and a half and talking to another man. I'd be of the opinion, something like Hawkeye. So you take maybe the ghost goal or what Limerick are, are complaining about last year. Take the ghost goal with Tipperary and Waterford that time. Like, if RT is at a game, surely we could have a man connected to a referee because we already have the linesmen and umpires for the sake of 10 seconds maybe Nicky say to Alan Kelly that day that ball didn't cross the line you need to cross the flags and make your decision and move on you can't be making it for every little nilly willy decision that's on the pitch just for a game changing decision that's going to do a team you know and we brought in Hawkeye and it's only really in Torless and, uh, and in Crow Park, Park yeah. And, uh, yeah so it's another tool in the referee's box we should have a video man. I don't want to call it VAR. No way do I yes. want it. But the difficulty but there is, is, Brian, is that it's be impossible to provide that sort of facility at, at every ground where championship matches are being played and, and therefore it's like it's like Hawkeye. It's, it's, it's in, the whole operation is inconsistent because of the lack of the technology at every venue. Yeah, that's the thing. But the only thing about it is, Nicky, nearly every Sunday we probably have two live games on, 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 on telly. So I'm sure we could have summoned there if something did arise for the sake of five or seven, ten seconds. And again, you might never have one of these decisions. You go two or three months without it. But you're ready, like like Mead and, and Loud. Like, you know, when you take that issue, allowed people to win a Leinster football championship to deny it over we couldn't, you know, yep. maybe provide or have a tick referee, like, like in fairness, <laughs> that we had that day that wouldn't listen to nobody. So it's just to eliminate the problems before they occur is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, from your own point of view now, you're a member of the Clara Club. There, the notion of the split season is that something you see as as bad now. It won't come in probably. It will be an issue, but not quite as envisaged in the rule because of losing time due to COVID. But in 2022, hopefully, it'll be fully in. What's your view on that? How how will you view that as a club in 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 Clara? Will Will you take a club like ourselves here? So you'd always have your your split. Your you know your inter county, and next thing you're playing league games and you know you're, you're, you're using all the other fellas you never have your county men and training was never the same uh, I'd actually be in favour of this Nicky for the simple reason if you have a couple of county men when they're at training you know the atmosphere is good and your, your best players are there and the lads that are a little bit iffy about coming up well, you know, your county men are there and it's a different atmosphere. I, I definitely welcome them. Again, we'll see how it goes after a year or two. But I think once players know when they're playing games, I think that's vital for anyone. This thing of not knowing how far your county is going to get and before your club will get to play a game, you know, it, it's probably okay for us now. We're not successful and we, our season is shorter as inter-county. But for a successful teams like Dublin, Mayo, Kilkenny, Tipperary, whatever, it's very hard on a club player not knowing and the uncertainty of when he's going to be lying an out for his club in a championship match. And I think this eliminates it. But again, we'll have a look at it for a year or two and see how it's going. Yeah, and of course the club having access to their inter-county players for the full duration of their campaign, that's something they're going to welcome a lot, I've no doubt. 
Oh, it'll give it'll give a lift. But even young lads, maybe that are training the half hour before under county men. You imagine if some of the players in Kilkenny or Limerick or, and the county men are out going to be training. Should the young lads stay on? They're poking and asking their daddy, can they stay on and watch training and stuff like that? You know, it's a knock-on effect. It's great to have the the club player at, at your or the county player at club training and, and driving on the club you know and these men that are people are looking at every Sunday they want to see them in their local fields and see them training with their with their colleagues you know OK look Brian sorry time is caught up so we have to leave it at that and thanks for joining us this evening Brian and we'll touch base with you again maybe during the course of the year to see how you feel this uh, this new rule is going so thanks for that N- Nicky a quick one before you go of course. I'll tell you this one quickly when you mention Neg Quinn there at start yes. you know oh, Neg yeah. with referees but yeah. anyway a decision you remember remember Seamus Roach threw in the ball when Kenny had a free and I think Gala got a goal out of it but I'll tell you a quick one a couple of weeks later Ned was upstairs and there was myself and Barry Kelly but Barry asked him the question he says if there's Brian Gavin standing there Barry Kelly standing there and Seamus Roach is standing there he says if you're two bullets who would you shoot he said I'd shoot Seamus Roach twice he said <laughs> there <laughs> well, you go now there you right, go. Thanks, awesome. thanks indeed. Thank okay, you. take care. Thank take you. care. Yeah, Bye-bye. yeah. Okay, we'll we'll get with that. And uh, Ned, we, uh, we 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 still are very proud of you having got on as a trustee yesterday. We'll take a break. The voice of the Black and Amber Community Radio, Kilkenny City, eighty-eight point seven FM. Chadwick's Kilkenny and Community Radio, Kilkenny City, eighty-eight point seven FM for top class sport. Yes, you're very welcome back to TalkSport. I should have said at the top of the programme, our uh, text line is our taxback.com text line is 86 353 Anybody who wants to send in the text, I see they're already coming in for Joe Burden for the next programme. Well, now, lots of sport on this weekend, and Liam Kelly O'Rourke has all the details. Evening to you, Nicky. We'll start with the Premier League, where it's just gone full-time at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea nil, Manchester United nil in a fairly underwhelming 90 minutes of football. Um, Arsenal, they got back to winning ways earlier on this afternoon. They won 3-1 away at Leicester City. Yuri Tielemans gave the Foxes the lead after just six minutes, but goals from David Luiz, Lacazette and Nicolas Pepe gave Mikel Arteta side three points. Elsewhere, it finished Crystal Palace nil, Fulham nil, and Spurs beat Burnley by four goals to nil. Harry Kane and Gareth Bale among the goal scorers. And the final game of the day comes at 7.15 at Bramall Lane when Sheffield United take on Liverpool. Uh, just looking at the rugby, well, Leinster are in action against the Glasgow Warriors at the moment. They lead 21-7. Uh, the other Irish pro- or 28-7 now uh, in the other games this weekend in the 4-14 well uh, Munster were in action they were playing Friday night against the Cardiff Blues they won 20-11 while Ulster got the better of the Ospreys 21-7 while the other Irish province in action was Connacht they beat Benetton 19-17 wins yesterday for Wales of course and Ireland with a comfortable win at the Stadio Olimpico and uh, finally uh, a look at the golf uh, this weekend it comes from the uh, WGC Workday Championship and uh, uh, we have Irish participants involved Rory McElroy and uh, Shane Lowry involved in this event but top of the leaderboard on 15 under par is Marikawa uh, looking at McElroy he's a, uh, a little bit further back he's tied for 5th on 11 under par while Shane Lowry uh, he finds himself tied for 49th on 3 over par so that's the golf Nicky OK Liam thanks for that enjoy Thank yourself you. take care we'll talk to you Okay, that was our Liam Kelly wrote. Now he doesn't have a soapbox this for his, for his this week. He was busy with the books. In fairness to him, so we picked up a gem from uh, with the courtesy of Jer uh, Cody, who sent us on this gem about Michal Armerhertig, talking about Martin White. It says a lot for Martin White's credentials as a hurler that he shone brightly during the 1930s, the decade that many commentators consider to be the most competitive in hurling. 
He added further lustre to his impressive CV by being a consistent scorer at the highest level of the game. As well as these distinctions, Martin's accumulation of three All-Ireland medals further underlines his outstanding achievements during a glittering career. He was a fast, skillful, stylish player, one who used these attributes to torment some of the most formidable defenders in the game. Martin, during an era when defending was euphemistically referred to as no-nonsense, proved himself a fearless competitor, a hurler whose ability to find space in the most congested of areas allowed him to be the fulcrum of the Kilkenny attack. Also, his remarkable hand-eye coordination enabled him to score countless goals with his well-developed overhead stroke. To round off his talents, Martin had a mighty puck on a ball, with the left-sided drop shot the favourite one in his repertoire. The drop shot generated immense power and was almost impossible to stop, he explains. However, things were not always easy during this time. Martin's work commitment saw him domiciled in Waterford at times, and so getting to training in Kilkenny was occasionally an adventure. Indeed, prior to the 1933 final, he remembers being collected by car in Waterford and going over to Mooncoin to collect Eddie Doyle. He laughs as he recalls that when they eventually got to Nolan Park, Paddy Larkin and Podge Burden had finished and were already gone home. Now over 100 years of age, Martin still has a great interest in the game and is au fait with all the current players and with the minutiae of all GAA affairs. Indeed, he's a great admirer of current players. He thinks they're fantastic, but of all the great players he saw, he is still adamant that his clubmate, Laurie Maher, was the greatest of them all. Martin remarked, without labouring the point, all I'll say is that Laurie was a genius. In an era bedecked with stars, Martin White shone brightly. He was widely recognised as one of the game's most skilful opponents in one of the game's most skilful eras. Yeah, what a lovely remembering there of Martin White. Sadly, no long way does that piece was recorded uh, some years ago, of course. Martin White, a legend in Kilkenny Hurling, who kept a great passion for the game up beyond his 100th birthday. And I suppose if Lowry Marr was his hero, he certainly created, he had a new hero in another Tullerone man, Tommy Walsh, over the years. Anyway, moving on to uh, Barry Soapbox this week. He recalls the divisional boards in Kilkenny and some of the great people, many gone to their eternal reward who were part of those institutions. I chance to engage in conversation with a long-time GA colleague, a few, very few, might I add, years my senior. Jim Walsh, who one of the most astute, honourable and decent men one was ever to meet in an arena that was the Southern Court back in the days. As we shot the breeze, memories kept flooding back, and there were many, and the vast majority of them, were filed away in the memory log. The lovely Jim was such a gentleman that one indulged in a form of self-incarceration before annoying or disturbing him with a querulous point of order or to use the GAA vernacular, a crooked problem. Jim had tremendous diplomatic abilities, married to a pension of being able to bring a particular issue to a successful conclusion between two or more parties. He made an art form of that ability. Jim Walsh is elected chair of the Southern Board in succession to another great man, Kevin Fenley Sr., in 1977. The occupier of the Northern Throne was the resolute, no-nonsense, Ned Curtin. 
the divisional boards were great preparatory arenas for future candidates of county and higher GA officials. The boards provided chairman of the Kilkenny County Board, like Mick O'Neill, John Healy, Ned Quinn and Tommy Murphy, to mention but a few in my time. And that's what we're talking, my time. The boards turned out other leaders in Ted Carroll, Paddy Bogie, Paul Kinsley, Tom Waldron, Joe Walsh, Johnny Ivory, Jim Rice, Ned Curran, and of course, Tom Ryle, etc., etc. Many, alas, gone to their eternal award. The divisional boards of those days were very different to what have evolved over the years. They were separate dominions who regulated their own progress, schedules, and regulations. They sorted out their own business. There was always controversy and certainly some squabbles. In most instances, the divisional boards, and from my perspective as a chairman, the divisional boards were practically autonomous. Again, speaking from experience, it was more than difficult to keep the warring factions under control. When you had the likes of Glenmore Tom Ryan debating points of order or rule interpretation with the roars Odlam Ling or Dick Bulger, one had to show neutral consistency coupled with an honest diplomacy. It was not always easy, and it was no different in the Northern Board monthly meetings. You have to understand that the divisional boards were represented by only two delegates each at county board level. So in essence, there were four people representing the vast majority of teams at the seat of government per se. They were charged with the responsibility of pursuing the interests and operations of some 36 clubs at the county board monthly meetings. The divisional representatives were often treated with disdain by the big lads up in Northern Park, but still, their input to the overall benefit of the county association was more than valuable. Another factor that was very evident too was the policing of motions or the politicising of motions and elections. Often, I heard it said that the prospective candidate as a delegate or a position of powerful influence was based on the person's political affiliation. Not whether he was a good man for the job or indeed whether his suitability was an acceptable level, but on the basis of whether he was blue or green. But one would have to be cognizant of the fact that our republic at the time was barely 50 years old and old spleens took a long time to heal. Then, of course, the geographical division was often the reason why stupidity was a winner when faced by logic. Motions fell by the wayside, good motions, on the basis that his origin found its feast in the hall down in, in the South Kilkenny and Ballyhale or Mocoin or Pintown. And when it came to voting on any particular issue up in the Nowland Park, it was very difficult at times to get unanimity as the majority vote was registered by a senior intermediate caucus which numerically swamped the uh, junior vote, given that the majority of senior and intermediate clubs were in the city and north of the county. Some of the biggest rows involved the selection of referees for the senior and intermediate games. The senior and northern clubs never wanted to have a southern referee in charge whenever they were playing the Shamrocks in particular. It was either Gus Hennessy or Pascal Long, it was James A. Murphy or Podge Butler. I remember one evening at a county board meeting when two factions were arguing over the selection of a referee, a certain delegate suggested that we went outside the county to get a referee. Well, Paddy Grace, who was quietly observing, took the tabletop and bellowed the Benoist an outsider coming into this county as long as I'm secretary to do a job that can be done by a dozen other lads in our county. Even the chairman, Nick O'Neill, was more than startled at the Grace outburst. 
Jim Wiles brought back to mind a county convention situation that took an unprecedented, and this is true, an unprecedented two days to bring to some form of clarity. You remember, Barry, he remarked a year it took us two days to finalise the convention. The debate about the financing of the county affairs was all as contentious as Jim, and boy didn't he lead it. Well, I remember I commented. I wonder what kind of debate would take place now if the same calibre of delegates were firing the bullets. Janie, the Steve Rose teacher, said we would probably take a week to get clarity, but sure, there was no comparison. The kind of money we were talking about is minuscule compared to the enormous figures now being spoken about. Then the chairman fielded all the questions on all the matters, including the finances, but we have treasurers and assistants and others to face the flat, as you say. They are talking hundreds of thousands. We were talking in pennies, he remarked. And then we had objections, all ripped objections. The divisional boards tried their own objections. The trick was that the guys putting the objections armed themselves with the best talker, the man that could bamboozle the meeting with the most confusing rhetoric and his knowledge of the Clorid de Gaulle and had the assistance of two highly respected delegates from two other clubs in their corner. In my time, the junior club had one right of appeal and that was to the county board. How times have changed. The culture of going to litigation has become very prevalent, especially when county teams find themselves at bother. Have you an opinion on that development, Jim? I asked the former Southern Board Chairman. Now, I don't want to be flippant, Barry, but where are the values of good common sense, a sense of right and wrong, and of course, claw in the ghoul? Are they now superfluous to requirements? Being a graduate of the old school, I feel a certain alignment with the opinion of the former chairman. And when I fire my, fire my mind back to my time, and I say that with considered respect, I wonder what men like Kevin Fenley and Bob Edwards, Jim Rice and Johnny Ivory, Ned Turner and Jim Walsh, the Conway, the Mundabat, Ned Edwards and Danny, Dan Fieland from Wygap, Joe Mackey and Dan Kenny, Pudge Butler, God rest him, Ted Turner, Tom Ryan, Jimmy Brophy, the Lacey, John Hunt, Kearden and his dad, Mick Mealy, and a hundred more would think about how our association has regressed. For certain sure, there would be a gasp at the diminution of power of clubs, I and even the county board. They would be delighted with much of what has been improved with, what has been created. But the far off hill green factor ain't so green as they come closer into focus. So finally, as I throw my mindset back into major reverse, I would say that my GA has changed considerably. There has been a huge uh, fracture within the GA, the GA that I am a member of, and the present offering. In my time, we worked so awfully hard for what we have. We have our own fields and facilities where the GAA cost was fully nurtured and catered for, where the grassroots were not the conciliatory segment of other people's imaginations, and where I could walk up to John Love Park and say, this is all ours. Such an assessment is not true, in my opinion, of today's GAA. Our proprietorial rights have all but diminished. Big Brother is watching. Thank you, Barry. Some lovely memories of some great people banning on to their eternal reward, but uh, the Northern Southern Bournes were certainly institutions. Lovely piece this week, Barry. Right, we had racing today, and Nace, Bear Scott has all the results for us. Yes, Mike, and they started up there at 2 o'clock on the first race run by number one, Celius Emery, 2 to 1 on favourite. Second was number two, Daily Tiger, 9 to 4, and 4 ran. 
230 was won by number one again, home by the Lee, 5 to 1. Second was number two again. And I had an 11 to 4 favourite number, uh, sorry, seven runners there again. The 3 o'clock went to number seven. Uh, Echoes and Rain, 11 to 8 favourite. Second was number one, Belfast Panther, 6 to 1. And again, seven ran. The 330, this was won by number one, Zofanian, 6 to 4 favourite. Second was number eight. Rock Chica 20 to 1, and third was number 10, Sayer 6 to 1, 10 ran. The 4 talk, number 3, Galaxy Man, 11 to 8 on favour. Second was number 16, Pont du Gard, 130, and third here was number 4, Bernard de Zanka at 3 to 1. The 430, this went to number, number 9, Genoa, 130. Second was number 11, Micromanage. 5 to 4 on favourite, and third was number 10, Great Bear, at 3 to 1, and 20 ran. The 5 o'clock winner here was number 16, Light Brigade, 4 to 1. Second was number 19, by the same token, 25 to 1. Third, number 18, presenting Dylan, 14 to 1. And fourth here was number 15, Shaky Try, at 18 to 1, and 20 ran. And finally, the 5.30 went to number 3, Jerry Columba, 2 to 1 on favour. Second was number 4, Walter Graff, 100 to 1, and 6 ran. Okay, that is better. Okay, Thanks, Bear. Take care. Yeah, okay. that's our Bear Scott there. And uh, we'll take a break and we'll be back after that with uh, Enda McAvoy. The Voice of the Black and Amber. Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Jadwick's Kilkenny and Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM for Top Class Sport. Yes, you're very welcome back to the programme now. We'll be going to our guest, uh, final guest, Enda McAvoy, just in a moment. But just, uh, I just noticed that yesterday the new president, Larry McCarthy, talked about the dangers of social media and that. And rather ironically, I'm not going to mention the names now, but there was a bit of a shenanigans going on in Dublin yesterday and an individual whom I don't know sent a message to uh, a person who used to wear the Kilkenny jersey, let's put it that way, uh, because there is a politician of the same name. Well, thankfully, the Kilkenny, it was hardly sent to the wrong um, Twitter account of course thankfully the Kilkenny uh, person who got it saw the joke and uh, told the individual he's got the wrong name so it just shows you you need to be careful well our next guest uh, he's um you know, trying to keep going during during COVID, but he allowed himself to be uh, videoed and put up on the county board Facebook page during the week. So maybe rather than asking him to know how he's coping, this is what he had to say himself on the Kilkenny GA Facebook during the week. Hi, I'm Enzo McAvoy. Having worked from home for many years, I know how important it is to try and get out of the house every day. Get some fresh air, get some exercise, see different faces at a safe distance, of course. One other thing I've been doing during the lockdown is some reading. I've been reading not new books, but old books. Books that I enjoyed during my childhood. Treasure Island, Kidnapped, The 39 Steps, The Just William books by Richmond Crompton. They gave me a lot of pleasure then, and they're giving me a lot of pleasure now. They're like comfort reading in a very strange time. One final thing, vitamin D, proven to help in the fight against coronavirus. Stay safe. Good night, Well, in the back of I, I think that was a, a classic little piece uh, to put up on uh, on Facebook and uh, a lovely message there. And you're clearly reliving your youth reading uh, Treasure Island. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it, uh, Nicky. 
uh, as I say, I've been rereading Treasure Island, all those books. And uh, the great thing about rereading those books as opposed to reading something new, when you're reading something new, naturally you don't know if you like it or not. Uh, rereading old stuff, you know you will like it. So uh, <laughs> that's the great advantage it has. Yeah, of course. And sure, look, at it's a difficult time for everyone, but sure, you're like all of us, you're looking forward to getting uh, out into see some action, be it even on GA games on the television or in person if you can at all. Um, we're all just looking for that moment, but unfortunately we have to hang on for another bit. Indeed, but uh, I think the, the vibes that came, uh, you know, came out this week uh, after the latest plan, you know, we may have matches in the medium, uh, in the medium term, everything going well. So obviously that is something to look forward to and will give relief, uh, never mind pleasure, to a lot of people. Yeah, but it's uh, clearly been a, a difficult time for everybody. Uh, bef- before I, I kind of get into the thrust maybe of talking about of hurling and things like that, I mean, you're a, a prominent journalist. You write regularly for various publications. But in this at this point in time, it's a tough time for the print media in general, particularly those going to games. And a lot of your colleagues that you know so well and that I would know so well, they're having to manufacture stories from different things. Yes, Congress was, a, was, a, was, was nice over the weekend. They could throw plenty of lines together on that. But it's a tough time to come up with content. It, it really is. And I think at this stage, everything, uh, every idea has been tapped out. Because uh, this time last year, or it was a uh, later March, April, May, uh, you know, uh, sports writers has come up with newspapers, has come up with all these ideas. And that was fine. That got them through until uh, the, uh, the games uh, restarted. Another lockdown in the autumn, okay, they were uh, able to have the, the, we'll say, the ends of the championship to keep them going. But now another lockdown and all the ideas have been used up. <laughs> uh, I have a my national uh, GA writer a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he was uh, doing a piece about four GA managers, four eight managers, four hurling for football, all intercounty managers who might be under pressure this year. Now, of course, that's a very contrived idea, but uh, these guys have to fill space and have to come up with the ideas, and now that all the good ideas were used up last year, have to come up with some pretty tenuous ideas to keep uh, to keep. Uh, so it's not easy. No, it's certainly not. As uh, as we know on this program, we have to dig out people each week. But I'm th- you know, we're we're actually enjoying it, and we're getting a great traction and great interest in it. Now, yesterday at Congress, and a decision was made in relation to what's called the black card in hurling. Last year, it was blown out of the water at Congress, and to see it coming back surprised many, me included. But it managed to get through, albeit in in experimental um, in an experimental way for a year. Your own thoughts on it, because it would appear certainly from the vibes at Congress yesterday, that a lot of people who spoke for it were of the view that too many, um, what I would call, cynical fouls were created in hurling this year, and it, uh, it it put them thinking differently. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if what we saw in the championship last year was anything different 
to what we've been seeing for the previous two or three years. Maybe it was on a bigger scale, or maybe because there were fewer championship matches last year. And there were more and there were more condensed as well. They were yeah, they were more condensed. But maybe because they were fewer, they were highlighting more. Mm, I'm only thinking out out there. Maybe not. But look, um, certainly the ones uh, that were highlighted were highlighters uh, were talked about and probably uh, probably as well I'd say the fact that Limerick won the All Ireland so convincingly but while being happy to give away frees down the far end of the fears you know, where they couldn't do much harm and that was a kind of undercurrent uh, to things afterwards so I think uh, what we're saying the contents uh, championship uh, just put the spot right in uh, a bigger way than uh, has been the case. Do you worry that uh, this is going to put additional pressure on referees? Uh, even though I've just been speaking to Brian Gavin there earlier and he did say that look, there wasn't a huge amount of these incidents but the incidents that were there perhaps were crucial in some of the games. But do you see it being a big issue with referees? No, I don't. I think who it's going to be an issue for is coaches and defenders. Um, I saw a lovely line from uh, Michael Joyton yesterday speaking in favour of the Black Guard. He said that Brian Fielder would be horrified, or would have been horrified to think, that he would be reduced to dragging down DJ Carey. That's right, I heard and that, yeah. I heard yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew it was a great line. So I think what you're going to see is uh, this is going to place a premium on good defending. It's going to make defenders defend more. It's going to make coaches coach defending uh, a little bit more. And I think that can only be a good thing. Uh, what will also be a good thing is uh, you will see more goals being scored, I think. Because either uh, either the penalties are given away or um, defenders may end up letting forwards through and scoring goals. So I don't see a big negative uh, to this. But certainly from the point of view of team managers now and their coaches, they're going to have to put on their thinking cap to know how tactically they're going to deal with, with a, a player going through and, and what they're going through. In the past, they would take them down and, they'd, they, as it were, take one for the team. But taking one for the team now has added consequences. Absolutely. As I say, I think it will put a premium on good defending and uh, make people, make defenders think a little bit more. Because if you think about it, one of the most famous uh, defensive actions in recent years was J.J. Delaney on Seamus Callanan in the 2014 All-Ireland final replay that J.J. did, you know, uh, an outstanding example of good defending. Absolutely, yeah. JJ never a steam merchant, got the hurling, who's Calvin, Corey Welsh was there to pick up the pieces and clear the ball. So, I mean, JJ used one of the skills of hurling uh, in hooking and swinging Seamus Calvin, and that's what we perhaps haven't had enough of in recent years, as you were saying. Defenders just uh, taking, in a way, the easy way out, taking one from the team, dragging down the forwards, that's going to change now. They will, as you say, they will have to think more. They will have to either do a little bit more blocking, hooking, standing up, 
uh, the forwards, whatever, uh, it will make defenders and coaches and managers think more about good defenders. Absolutely. Now, you alluded to a team a moment ago, Limerick. They were uh, quite impressive. Uh, they were a colossus last year in, in 2020. But their style of play maybe doesn't enamour a lot of people. And maybe people were saying the same about Kilkenny some years ago when we were in our prime. But, but in relation to Limerick, I mean, they just were putting over a colossal amount of points. Goals don't appear to be as consequential for them. They don't seem to want to go to, to kind of kill for the goals, but rather get the points over the bar. Talk to me about Limerick and their whole physique and their style of play and where Hurling is going. Yeah, uh, they're an incredible team and they really pushed the envelope in so many ways. Uh, they've brought Hurling into new areas that have never been before. Uh, you can only admire them very, very much. I mean, to score 30 points in our final, very impressive. Okay, I know Kikini had scored 330 against Wolf at the time, but they scored, what was it, North 36 against Clare first time out in Munster last year, which is just incredible scoring. That's, you know, a point every two minutes. Uh, so they're breaking all score, sorts of records. Now, fair enough, they're not particularly easy on the eye. I'm not a huge fan. I've been banging on about this for a couple of years. Uh, I'm not a huge fan about te- of teams scoring so many points. You know, uh, if Cody Butler made an interesting observation a couple of years ago, the former director of Hurling, he says, I don't think that all these points being scored from way out the field add anything of value to Hurling, or very little value to Hurling. Now, of course, if you're from Limerick, you're not going to complain. Absolutely. Of course not. Why would you? And Limerick are so good. Uh, as what they do that I mean to object would be carving but as as I say I would like to see uh, not so many points maybe a few more goals being scored and uh, I think this is what the black cars will lead to but uh, something like floaters in the past I would like to see as an experiment uh, a goal being made worth four points yeah, that might be something. What do you make of the move of uh, Donald O'Grady back to the sideline with Cork? Yeah, um, he will say that he's only doing background analysis. Maybe it will be a bit more than that. But certainly Cork needs something to uh, need something different about them. Well, yeah, you may say the same about a lot of teams, Kilkenny included. So it's an interesting one. I know he's playing it down. I know Cork are playing it down. But maybe he will kind of have a bigger role than it says on the team. Of course. Uh, would you agree we have a little bit of work to do in Kilkenny to get up with uh, Limerick? Oh, listen, uh, to be fair, everybody has work to do to get up uh, with Limerick. Uh, I think there are five or six points. Uh easily the best team in the country. I think Galway are the only team that are anywhere near them. And that's largely because of Galway's physique, that there's nothing uh, between the two of them. Uh, You know, it's like two two huge panzer tanks uh, running into one another. And, uh, I mean, Galway were the closest to Emmerich all year. And, you know, uh, had things in the Orange semi-final gone slightly differently, Galway might have stolen it. Now, uh, allow me from the fact that Gimmick were the better team. Yes, of uh, course. Uh, 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 but, I mean, uh, I think 
Limerick are okay, come on, two points better than Galway. I think five or six points better than anyone else, and maybe eight or nine or ten points better than Kilkenny and Cork. Okay, we'll change sports because your beloved Spurs won four 0 today against Burnley, and Gareth Bale scored two goals. And you talked about uh, was um, Jose Mourinho reincarnated as Renus Michels, <laughs> the great manager. So, uh, is, is are you happy as Larry with everything that's happening at Tottenham now after today, or is is today going to be uh, is is it all uphill from here? Oh well, like who knows? Uh, maybe it will be a one-off. Burnley, uh, we're usually a very hard team to break down. We're absolutely terrible. Uh, what I think I would be hoping for as a Spurs fan and other Spurs fan, fans is that Gareth Bale, uh, you know, having played very little for so long, is now up to speed with the pace of the game, and you know he might drag Spurs with him, with him uh, to a new level for the uh, the remainder of the season because they're in uh, the running albeit kind of half-heartedly for the top four and did a lot of work to do but they're in the League Cup final and they're also in the Europa League, Thank you, uh, A knowledgeable man, and he knows his hurling, and indeed he knows his soccer as well. Well, before we wrap up the programme again, just to mention some of the things that happened at Congress yesterday, we congratulate Ned Quinn on being elected a new trustee of the association. He will sit on management committee for the next three years. He'll stay as a member of our corner representing Kenny until the completion of his five years there. He's another year or so to go, I think. Uh, the headlines of the 38 motions that were on the floor yesterday all passed which is pretty but unprecedented the black card is in his hurling as I've been talking to uh, Enda and to Brian Gavin about a GA close season now very much uh, half the first half in inter-county second half in, cl- in club that'll happen uh, the season after next uh, 2021 an under 20 hurler cannot play for the senior team until the under 20 championship is completed that could have some bearing on Kilkenny what will certainly have some bearing on Kilkenny is the new junior football championship it will consist of the two teams in the final the two finalists in Britain Kilkenny Kenny and New York. So now could we have a scenario of the Kilkenny junior footballers maybe playing off for an All-Ireland final in Gaelic Park in New York? No, that would be great, wouldn't it? The more foreign, I'm afraid, is uh, gone gone, and uh, probably for many, uh, maybe not before it's time, but it's uh, some people will be disappointed with that. And joint captains, of course, are gone as well, but I think that one might be coming back. That's it. Joe Burden up next. The requests are coming in here on the line for Joe. We thank all who joined us this evening, especially you, the listeners out there in uh, Kilkenny land. Thank you, and uh, we look forward to presenting this programme again next week. Until then, Slán agus